Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made. It's a beautiful morning. We're glad you're here with us. And so as we're called to our worship, and as we then stand to sing our hymn of celebration, Hosanna, loud Hosanna, number 278, our children will be processing in with the palm fronds as we remember the joy of Palm Sunday. Just stand, please. Jesus came in. He was coming to Jerusalem to celebrate for Passover. They were getting ready for Passover. And so they came. As he came on a donkey, they waved palms. So I want to read to you uh, the passage. I'm actually going to read to you from, because I had a handy, the Beginner's Bible. 
So this is well um, below your ball, all, but this is daddy's reading level. <laughs> the true king, Jesus and his disciples went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. Jesus told two disciples to bring him a donkey. He told them where to find it. Jesus rode the donkey to Jerusalem and a big crowd followed him. People waved palm branches and put them on the road in front of Jesus. They shouted, shouted Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel. And we share this today, we remember today, that we start our celebration, we start our service with celebration, knowing that Jesus came in on a donkey and people were shouting, he's the king, he's the savior, he's the messiah. As the week goes on, things change. And later this week, we're going to celebrate what's called Monday Thursday and Good Friday. But it wasn't so good. At the end of the service, if you look behind me, what's on the wall behind me? A cross. At the end of the service, we're going to raise a black shroud and cover the cross. Because we start with excitement and with joy, but it's going to turn to sadness as the, as the service progresses and as, as the week progresses. But we know next Sunday, we have the joy of the resurrection and we'll have a time together at, uh, at the service next week. But today we want to remember Palm Sunday and remember the joy of Jesus coming in on a donkey. So may we offer our... Close your eyes. We want to offer a prayer and then we're going to do something a little different today. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for the children, the youth that are gathered here, for the joy of their voices, the opportunity to raise palms in excitement and in praise. May you prepare our hearts for the coming King. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen.
At this time, I would like to invite uh, Janet Todd, uh, who is the chair of our staff pastor parish committee, to bring an announcement. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I am here to read a letter from the district superintendent. Uh, dear congregation of Westlake Village, UMC, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to you as your North District Superintendent to share with you the next step in your pastoral leadership. God often calls us to serve in new places and then prepares the way. <clears throat> as United Methodist pastors, we serve under the authority of the Bishop of the California Pacific Annual Conference for the greater good of the body of Jesus Christ. As itinerant pastors, we are appointed to our current church community or a new church community each year. After consultation with the appointed cabinet, Bishop Grant Hagia has discerned that Pastor Brian Long will be moving to serve Yorba Linda United Methodist Church this coming year. The cabinet has also discerned a new associate pastor for the Westlake Village United Methodist Church. She is Pastor Rachel Tibetul, <laughs> uh, and her new appointment with you begins on July 1st, 2017. Pastor Rachel has a great commitment to work with children, youth, and young adults through discipleship and community engagement and building the next generation of Christians. In coming weeks, you will want to keep Pastor Brian and Pastor Rachel in your prayers during this time of transition. On behalf of Bishop Grant Hagia, we will work together to continue the important ministry of Westlake Village Methodist Church. I will be uh, continuing to work with Pastor Gary and your staff parish relations committee through the transition and pray that God will continue to bless the community you serve. In Christ's service together, Reverend James R. Powell, North District Superintendent. So I would like to congratulate Brian. He will be senior pastor at his own church. Aww. It will be hard to see him go, but the staff parish committee had a chance to meet uh, Pastor Rachel. And I think you will like her very much. She's very dynamic, uh, very enthusiastic, and looking forward to coming to our church. And I'm sure Brian would like to say a few words to you now. Just to tell you a little bit about the church I'll be going to. I will be serving in Yorba Linda. Um, I had the opportunity to meet the, the members of the staff parish and the leadership team on Thursday. And uh, the, about seven years ago, the, my understanding, the church had uh, one nail in the coffin, uh, and the, the pastor who presently serves there, Reverend Lynn Munson, has done an amazing job bringing life and vitality back into the church. Um, I'm told there's 178 members. Uh, they're active by Methodist count, 150, which means there's probably about 130 uh, active in worship. Um, it's... Uh, the day that I went to the interview, moments before, uh, moments before they asked me to come in, uh, there my upcoming new DS, district superintendent, said, Brian, they, uh, they, told, they just shared with me, they were praying for a 40-something-year-old male with kids. 
And uh, when I walked in, they said, you're an answer to our prayer. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> they didn't pray for a beard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm an answer to their prayer in a painting Gary's backside. But, you know, uh, you know it, the church itself, uh, your Belinda, as, a, you know, as I best can describe it, is Westlake Village moved. Um, there's an East Lake Village in town, so we took our picture next to East Lake Village. Um, the community is wonderful. Uh, at the 9 o'clock service, one person said, Brian, when you talk about your Belinda, you're supposed to say it's the home of the Nixon Library. But I say it's 11 miles from Disney. <laughs> so uh, if anybody wants to come visit, you are welcome to. There's great hotels around that you can stay at. Um, we don't have housing yet. So uh, we're, we're praying for God's provision. You know, God has guided us every step of the way. And I, I rejoice even in sadness. Um, you know, I, as Julie and I have shared, to get to see our, both of our children, our family, grow here in town in this church. Um, you know, thinking of the baptism when we baptized Christina in the prayer chapel, she baptized us and uh, <laughs> threw the water all over uh, Gary and myself and everyone there. Um, but it's, you know, it's bittersweet. I, I'm excited for a new opportunity. It will be a joy to be a senior pastor. Um, but know that my heart, my love goes out to you all for uh, 13 and a half amazing years of ministry. And you're still stuck with me for another two and a half. So don't get too comfortable. <laughs> Thank you. And as uh, Brian goes forth to serve his own church, I know that he will do so with uh, all the strength and vigor and faith that he has done here. You have prepared him well in the journey. And um, we know God will use him because he's been used here. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks as we gather together here to stay. We give you thanks for your spirit of love and your grace. We thank you that as we begin this holy week, that you'll be taking us with Jesus, that we might find our faith at the foot of the cross. And, oh Lord, may we not run too fast through this week because we, uh, we need and must understand the sacrifice that you have given before we find the power of the resurrection. And so, Lord, take us in the various times we have together to touch us and to fill us and to help us along this very difficult journey. It was a difficult week for Jesus. May we go with him faithfully. And, Lord, we also lift up Brian as he will find a special part of his journey now, having been prepared here in so many different ways with so much love and support, and that he will bring a part of us with him. And that we pray that each Sunday in a new church, he will look out and remember the love of us who surround him this day and our continued love and blessing. And so, Lord, we just ask that as in all things, you will guide us before we know that you are with us. It's always been that way and it always will be that way. And so, Lord, now hear us as we join together in the prayer that you have taught us that we might pray in faith as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not unto temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's okay, Brian. I forgot the prayer hymn. <laughs> Ron, would you like to do the prayer hymn? Would you like to do it? We prepared it. Why don't we sing it? Okay. So prayer's over, but our, the spirit of prayer continues. So will you join in the black hymn book, 2128, Come and Find the Quiet Center. How come I forget so many things in the, in the service, but I never forget to take the offering? <laughs> As our ushers come forward now, may we take a moment to render back onto God a portion of the many gifts he has given to us.
God, before thy altar, here we commit these our gifts as we commit our hearts and lives and souls once more unto Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, before we start, I just want to apologize. I held up a bit better last service. Um, but given this may be the last time I sing um, before, before uh, you leave, I'd just like to thank you for what you've done, and I hope that you can continue to bring your joy and all the things that you bring to this church to your your future endeavors. And Gary, of course, I hope that um, wherever God takes you, I hope it's a great place.
my blessed Savior, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. I feel the sacred flame Oh, the joy of full salvation Glory, glory to His name I surrender all I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear the scripture from St. John chapter 19 verses 38 through 42. After these things Joseph of Arimathea who was a disciple of Jesus though a secret one because of his fear of the Jews asked Pilate to let him take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him permission so he came and removed his body. Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, weighing about 100 pounds. They took the body of Jesus and wrapped it with the spices in linen cloths, according to the burial custom of the Jews. Now there was a garden in that place where he was crucified, and in the garden there was a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And so, because it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. This is God's word to God's people. May we pray. Glorious God, we give you thanks and praise that we join together to share in this celebration of Palm Sunday, to prepare our hearts for the days ahead that in so doing we might understand the beautiful words of the hymn that we do surrender all. We give you our best. We give you our worst. We give you our life. And in so doing, may we too give you our ears and our heart 
that we receive in order our, that our lives might be forever transformed, being in your presence. For this we give you praise through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. We began the service by the children waving palm fronds and the voices being lifted, singing our loudest hosannas. In a short time, we'll shroud the cross as we prepare for Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, only to ultimately celebrate the joy of the resurrection on Easter. And as we prepare for this Passion Week and we continue our series at the foot of the cross, who better to look at than Joseph of Arimathea? But notice here at an important, mo in an important moment in history, as Christ is taken down from the cross, this man whom we know so little about steps forward, becomes front and center as he takes the human remains of Jesus and lays them in a tomb. Though we don't know a great deal about Joseph, his actions and his faith are so vital to the narrative that they are retold in all four gospel accounts. All four gospels share of, of him. Matthew tells us that Joseph was a rich man, a disciple of Jesus, who used his wealth to lay Jesus' body in a new tomb. Mark tells us he was a prominent member of the council of the Sanhedrin, waiting for the kingdom of God. Luke tells us that Joseph was a good and just man of integrity, who did not want to consent to the actions or the decisions of the council the night before. John states that he was a secret follower, a secret disciple, but still a faithful follower of Christ. All four Gospels tell us that it was Joseph who went to Pilate to ask for Jesus' body. Yet why would Joseph's place in the narrative of the cross be vital to us 2,000 years later? What is it about Joseph that we learn and that we can see how to live our lives in the 21st century. You see, it was at the cross that Joseph experienced a crisis of faith. He was there for the trial. He was there for the punishment. He was there for the, all that was happening behind the scenes. And he knew the truth about the scenes as he saw Jesus' punishment being laid out. And here he is at a crossroads. It was time for him to decide what he would do. Joseph could continue to be a secret disciple, kind of laying low in the crowd, or he could boldly live as a disciple for all to see, to no longer hide the fact that he was a disciple. And the answer would come soon enough, though, as the life of Jesus was enough to convert him, but it was the cross and the crucifixion that really brought him to live by faith and forced him to publicly commit to a life of discipleship and to a life of faith. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, Joseph stayed silent. Yet through his death, Jesus had made all things new. And nowhere more visible was that than in the life of Ju Joseph. He could no longer go about in secret. Rather, he went to, public, uh, to publicly acknowledge. For fear of even risking his own life and his own status, he went to Pilate. The cross of Christ had strengthened him. And never before had he experienced this power or this transformation as he did that day. And as a result, he was determined to honor Christ, whom he recognized as Messiah, as he went before Pilate. 
You know, as a member of the Sanhedrin, he'd probably gone plenty of times to Pilate to share it in, a, in an official political capacity to talk about life in Jerusalem. But this time it was different. This time Joseph of Arimathea goes not as a Sanhedrin, but as a citizen of Jerusalem. He goes as an average, every or, everyday, ordinary citizen. In the midst of the gloom and despair of the cross that day, we see a beacon of light, one who would stand firm and publicly show their faith. As we look at his example, I believe he teaches us some vital things that we can remember how to live out our faith and how to live by faith. First, faith requires courage. You know, as I said at the 8 o'clock service, if faith were easy, you know, belief is easy. Faith is hard. For example, if I said I believe that or I have faith that the cars on Westlake Boulevard are going to stop and I'm just going to stand in the middle of the road and trust that every car is going to stop, that's faith. I can say it, but faith is doing that which I say. And here, Joseph took courage, went boldly without fear before Pilate. He needed to have courage because he knew the last 24 hours were really rough. You know, he had seen all that had transpired and the hatred and the animosity. Here was a man of wealth, prestige, power, influence, standing before Pilate. He could have lost everything, but he still went to be identified with Jesus. And not only that, he asked for a body, the, the low body of a crucified criminal in the eyes of Pilate, in the eyes of the Jews. He was willing to be defiled for a time. He was willing to even be removed from society for his love and his courage. Common sense would have told him, you know, Pilate was having a really, really rough day. He admitted that he condemned an innocent man. Pilate was kind of manipulated in a sense to make this decision. Even his wife said, don't do it. Stay away from this. Discretion should have told Joseph, you know, find an intermediary, send somebody else. You know, use your prestige and your power, you know, buy a few favors. But none of those were options. Joseph wouldn't do it. And no longer would Joseph live in secret. This noble-minded man and his act is the first victory uh, that we see at the crucifixion. This first transformation that we see for God's gentleness and patience for a transformed life was paying off right at the cross. Second, faith requires a willingness to, not, uh, to stand alone if necessary. This is probably one of the hardest things. We like to fit in. We like to be part of the crowd. But faith calls us to be willing to stand alone. Luke tells us that Joseph didn't consent to. He didn't approve of or go along with the crowd. He didn't do what the Sanhedrin wanted in planning the death of Christ. He counseled them against it. Though 11 of Jesus' disciples left that day, and we learn that John was there, it was Joseph as well who took a stand alongside Mary to be at the foot of the cross. On that day, Joseph showed in actions that spoke louder than words that he was on the side of Christ, and there was nowhere else that he would be. Third, faith requires a humility in our actions. We're told that Joseph begged for the body of Jesus. Here is this wealthy, powerful man of privilege and prestige begging for a body. He gave up his pride. He gave up his role to request that Christ's body be given to him. And as he laid that body in the tomb, you know he would never be the same. Fourth, faith requires 
a gentleness, and a willingness to be devoted to the cause. We're told that he takes down the body and wraps it in linen. Rough, cruel hands nailed him to the cross, but loving, gentle hands took his body down. Nails were hammered in with force, but taken out with gentle care. Strips of cloth were ripped from his body. Fine linen replaced it. A ditch was prepared to throw the remains of a criminal. But Joseph knew better, and Jesus would never be there. For out of his devotion, Joseph saw to it. And fifth, faith requires sacrifice to letting go of that which we know or that's what we need to have happen in saying, God, I surrender all. You know, it requires that we give everything to God. In Judaism, a tomb was sacred. If you see in the Old Testament, there was something to be laid in your family's tomb and to be laid beside your ancestors. All throughout the Old Testament, you see it with Abraham and his descendants. <laughs> Joseph gave up his new tomb for Christ. And I believe the truth is he would have given up everything that day. And continuing, therefore, every day to give up everything, even his place on the Sanhedrin, he even was willing to give up his friendships and his close, uh, his close ties with the people who meant the most to him. He was willing to let it go. You know, when we look to the cross and when we look to the example that Joseph sets, it's not easy. It's not fun. It's tough. But we see in this simple, simple passage a man of great faith who is willing to stand firm, who is willing to be courageous, humble in nature, devoted, willing to give it all. As we continue in this Passion Week, we have that same call and that same challenge. Will we stand firm in our faith? Will we show courage in the face of fear? But have a heart for humility to hear and to listen, to receive the blessings that God gives. Because I know that even though we need to go through this grief of the cross and the grief of life to come, we rejoice because we know there is life to come. And for that we give thanks. So on this day, as we prepare to share out the cross, may we to give our all to say, God, I will stand with you at the foot of your cross. Amen. Amen. As Brian has said, this Holy Week begins with chows of Hosanna of children and palm fronds and throwing of clothes in the way, proclaiming the king, and yet how soon things would change to a cross and death, from light to darkness, from life to a tomb. We should not run through this week so quickly that we look only to the resurrection, for to do so is to not understand the great love of God for us upon that cross and the word of scripture that is written, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. You see, it costs God everything to forgive us and to show us that love. And now this day, as the cross is shrouded, 
we remember that on that day that the sun was blocked out and the darkness shone upon the land and the cross was overcome in darkness. That was God's cost. May we remember it this week. May our lives be touched and changed. And as we now strip the altar of these things that we recognize, so we too remember that Jesus was stripped of everything he belonged and owned, and that he would go naked to that cross for us.
Now may the peace of Christ and the love of God and the grace of the Holy Spirit take us to the foot of the cross, to Jesus. Amen. <laughs>